we're putting God first and believing that he's going to help us accomplish our impossible goals. I'm Melody Bateman. I'm a running coach, and I believe in letting the real you out. I'm Tracy Robbins King, and I'm a creation coach. I am enthusiastic about helping people make incremental progress. And we're three peas in pod as we're entrepreneurs, runners, and podcasters. So there's going to be a lot of nerding out. Episodes drop Monday. Woo woo. It's week 21. Welcome, guys. Welcome, everyone who's listening. So... What was that? That was some good sounds. Oh, oh, so, sorry. That I was thought it was people last, hearing. It was that. That was our last podcast, the one that I just edited, and I just <laughs> was actually clicked on it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. I thought you were doing sound effects for us. I was like, yeah, we're helping <laughs> this. Oh man, we're not that fancy. <laughs> so I want to dive right in to our topic. We our invitation. Um, for this week is to research 20 to 60 minutes on podcasting and apply it um, to your current podcast, or if you haven't started a podcast and you want to start a podcast, to apply it to doing that. So I've been thinking, ladies, because I found I find this so interesting that in the with realtors, Melody, with you, with physical therapy, with engineers, like so many industries require you to have like education to keep your license. But with podcasting, like it's still the wild, wild west where radio is a lot more structured. And so I don't really find myself trying to educate myself about topics, but I've been seeing all these real estate agents that they have all these classes and they're constantly learning. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. And I'm like, the internet is filled with knowledge. So that's why I'm glad that we did this this um, invitation this week because I've learned so much and I went to actually Dave Jackson's podcast. So he has the school of podcasting and he hosted our last coalition meeting and he's amazing. I mean, he's been doing this podcasting started in 2004. His podcast started in 2005 and he's been inducted into like the podcasting hall of fame. Like he knows his stuff. And so this episode, he interviews this um this basically radio veteran who's been doing it for 40 years neil headley and neil gives seven tips that podcasters can use from radio so i'm going to tell you guys the seven tips and i am going to ask you which one you want us to discuss because we're only going to discuss so but we'll have the rest of them on the show notes so here are the seven things the first one is tighten it up Rules can help. Ums are normal. Every word matters. Learn to tease. Set a benchmark and talk to one person. Melody, what from that did you find interesting? Um, okay, so I liked the um, learn to tease. I'm just curious about that. And then you said talk to one person. That was one of them? Uh-huh. That so- one? So which one do you want to, should we do learn to tease? Sure. Let's do that one. Okay. So I thought that this was fascinating because he talked about how Howard Stern, you know, people love him or hate him, but like Howard Stern can keep an audience captive and he would have 
like eight to nine minute commercials and he would leave them on such a cliffhanger that people would listen and like with radio you can't go back and listen to it later right so people didn't want to miss it people knew that like they'd be talking about it and so he would leave a tease and with radio like their commercials are what pay them the money so they have to have people listening through the whole thing or else you lose your job and everything so they really come up with a good tease and um, so they talked about how if you've watched a movie commercial and it gives you all of like the funny scenes and you're like, well, I don't know, need to go see the movie or whatever. Like you don't want, you just want to give away enough to keep people interested and wanting to come back. And that tease, like, because, um, Dave played a clip of someone that did a tease and it was like three minutes. And I was talking about this guy that was arrested because he had marijuana in his pocket and he escaped from jail twice. And they're like doing this story on it. Um, Cause this was from like the um, years ago or whatever. And anyways, that, that was such a good tease. It, and even though it was like three or four minutes, people want to go listen to it. So anyways, what, um, what though hearing that, what sort of like resonates with you guys of, oh, well, I thought at first Learn to Tease was like teasing the person you're interviewing. That was what came to my head. And I was like, why? Like, I want to expound on that. But that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I had the exact same thought, Melody. I was like, what? Are, what? I'm like, I, I know I could get better at teasing. So I I could be less cruel, you know? So that would be good. Can we be polite to our guests? No, but I, I mean... Like, and I don't do commercials with mine, but I think at the end of an episode, you can always, like, tease for the next one or whatever of just, it's sort of like that little, mm -hmm. he is so fascinating because these radio DJs, like, he was talking about every word matters with them. Like, every single word, they're very deliberate with it, and, um, and the big thing with that was don't give people away too much that they can decide if they want to watch or listen. So it's sort of this art, which is so cool. I'm like, I love that. So I feel like most thinking. things are a type of art. I feel like most things as I get to learn about them, I'm like, that's an art, right? Learning what to say, what not to say, communicating appropriately in all sorts of different settings. It's such an art. So mm -hmm. it is, it requires a lot of thought. Yeah, and I thought that another fascinating thing with it being an art is, is that they said that the uh, interview is a conversation that is so interesting that you can't help but eavesdrop. Hmm. I Isn't feel that like cool? that's hanging up somewhere. That needs to be a plaque. Right? Well, and I just remember watching because when i first started podcasting i would like watch um barbara walters right and i watched this interview she did with monica Lewinsky. she <laughs> asked really tough questions that everyone wanted to know and you really did feel like you're like eavesdropping on like these personal conversations and not everyone's podcast is like that but i think even with like real estate that i can still make it where people are wanting to eavesdrop so Jacob and I always have a goal on our podcast to have the guests say oh 
that's a really good question. I love it when they say that because then it, me and Jacob are like, yes. <laughs> right. I feel like you two are very good interviewers and it's, t it's apparent that you are thoughtful about your questions as you listen to your podcast. So trail the 100, everybody listen up. Yeah. It's great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And then I was going to say Barbara Walters, I think, uh, I've listened to her interview a few people, actually not a ton, but I, I remember watching this little clip of her grill, Dolly Parton, and Dolly <laughs> Parton was so classy about it. Mm -hmm. She just rolled with it. She did not let her, her feathers get like at all bothered. And I just thought, <laughs> wow, like you can learn a lot about people by the way they answer questions right? and i thought like i i from that interview or from that little clip i saw it actually just raised my love for dolly parton and so even that right kind of the reverse effects of asking tough questions is that the other person can become more beloved or less beloved based on how they respond oh yeah for sure well and i think it's interesting because to think that these people being interviewed it's alive right but this is the only podcast that I do that we don't edit. Like we edit every now and then, but we don't really edit. And so I'm like, whoa, I could start doing these techniques on here because his big thing is the more preparation you do beforehand, the less prep work you have to do afterwards. And so, and these like radio DJs, they are a master of just doing everything live because there's no post-production, which is so cool. So. You that know, is such an interesting insight. Wow. Right? I don't even think I've ever thought of that. Yeah. Sorry, Melody. Oh, no, you're fine. No, that is really interesting. I just wanted to say, um, I feel like this week I learned how important it is to be the interviewer. Like, this is your show. This is your podcast. And yeah, you're interviewing somebody else and you don't know exactly what they're going to say, but it's your job to like direct the conversation. And I told you guys on a Marco Polo, we had a not great podcast on Trell. And my first thought was oh, that guy just wasn't a very good like podcaster. He wasn't a very good person to interview. But then I was like, but no, like that's our job. That's our, like we, we should have changed how we were asking him questions. It wasn't because um, there are some people who are harder to interview. You do need to have different skills and um, different techniques depending on who you're talking to. So that was a really big aha for me this week. I actually have a similar intro, like in my accountability group stuff that I do for the Brook Snow program. Uh, there's been a few times where I think people start going and they take up a lot of time and it is so hard for me to interrupt them and be like, let me pause you right there and go back to what we talked about at the beginning or whatever. But just I've watched now I've watched Brooke do it a lot. And she's the one who taught us like when somebody's going too far, you need to tactfully interrupt them, especially if they just like they're going and going and going. You know that it's like getting too long. So you've got to be like, hey, let me pause you right there and go back to this particular part that you mentioned, right? And sort of re, cause you can, you actually do have a lot of control. And I think that's really cool way to, way to take that mindset instead of, oh, that just didn't work out. It's really cool. Thank you. I really like that phrase. I think that's a golden phrase that all podcasters should know. 
Well, mm-hmm. and it, I think that it's a humbling when you can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I wasn't on my game with that. And I, I really do think that when I, especially for the podcast at work, when I am super prepared, when I've had a prep call with the person, when I have all the questions assigned, when I have a really good intro that sounds natural, then those episodes are amazing and they're easy to edit. But when I'm struggling to write the intro, and I think that may might be a sign too, if I'm struggling to write the intro, I'm not passionate about it. And so to sort of, even before I interview someone, see if I could write something about them, because if not, then I probably don't want to interview them, which sounds bad, but you know, when you aren't, like when I'm excited like this, I can go on and on and on and on. But if I'm just lukewarm, it's like, uh, they, you can't think of anything that stands out about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Jacob and I, when we first started our podcast, we were, well, when we first started interviewing people, we were just taking anyone who wanted to be on and we were like, Oh, that person's a runner. Let's get them on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, and then we had a few not great podcasts. They were fine, but we, we just realized like, no, we want to be really selective about who we, have come on and um that has been that has made a really big difference in the quality of our podcast so i don't think there's anything wrong with like deciding or choosing it it makes you more professional i'm like i want to pretend like i'm a radio dj you know like because it's just then you're thinking like that yeah i think it goes back to the attraction versus the admiration oh yeah you may admire somebody Mm -hmm. but like do you actually want to interview them are you actually like interested in in actually having them share about their process? Because I think that is a really good indicator. Like, oh, I would love to have that person on my podcast and sort of following that natural, what you would love to do rather than just like, ah, oh, maybe, you know, like actually yeah. following where you really would be curious to have that person on. That's a great point with the, you can admire, but are you attracted? I love that. Okay, Trace, what do you want to talk about out of these seven steps? Um, how, how about we talk about um, set a benchmark? That was something that got, caught my curiosity. Okay, so this one I thought was really cool because um, they said know what the level of quality you want your podcast to be. And to start with, um, so it it talked about how like pilots, that first episode has to be amazing. And I've never heard of this before, but they're like, if you don't like your earlier episodes, if it does not represent the quality that you want, take them off. Like, they're like, think of it like spring training. And, And Dave said this, let me scroll up and find it. He said that um, writers have rough drafts, actors have dress rehearsals as podcasters. If you don't like the episode, like it's just a a draft, you know? And I was like, whoa, because I've always thought, oh, I want people to see it from the beginning to the end. And with notable peeps, I do, because that was like the thing that got me into podcasting. But with Utah Real Estate, where it's for a business and for all of our business ones, no, I want people to listen to these and be like, dang, they've always been professional. <laughs> and even if that's taking out some of the episodes from before that really were not that great of sound quality, that like were boring. I don't know. I just sort of 
that was something that blew my mind a little bit. What What are you guys' thoughts on that? I do. I have mixed feelings on this. Maybe I think I. I think this is a tricky one to navigate when it's a hobby. Maybe this is just a fear that's clearly manifesting to me, but just when you have somebody take the time to come onto your podcast and then you think, eh, I don't know if I want to pub- publish that one, but I do feel like they have that expectation or something, but just setting, I guess it's like the, pre- the preparation piece and saying, hey, if this goes well, I will publish it. But if I feel like we don't get a high quality interview, I will not be publishing it. Like, how do you prepare? I guess that's the question that naturally comes up for me is, how do you prepare a guest that you may or may not publish the interview? That's a good question. I don't know how to answer that. I need to think about that for a minute. Um, my my opinion on this is it is your podcast. And if you feel like the podcast didn't fit the mold or if it wasn't, or maybe maybe you ended up talking about things that go against your personal values or I'm 100% about not posting an episode if you don't want to post it. But yeah, I don't know how you go about being respectful of the person still. I don't know if you tell them beforehand because I feel like approaching it like we may or may not post this. If it's good enough, we will. If it's not, you know, I, I don't know if I like that. Maybe this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe this is how I would handle it is I would have them on for the podcast. And then if Jacob and I decided that was a podcast we didn't want to post, then we would reach out to the person and let them know and explain why um, and thank them for their time. And I know you could possibly compensate them somehow. Like maybe I could offer them a free massage or um, I don't know, maybe you could skip that step, but that's probably what I would do. Well, and I've had the situation before where this guy went off about how he wanted to kill child predators and he wanted people to unite and go and like we couldn't like it was very hard to cut him off because he was so passionate and then Scott did and then I knew right there I needed to tell him I said hey all of that will be cut out I am only using the first 10 minutes of the edit of the interview and now I know I have that in my arsenal if someone says something that isn't aligned with the podcast um, to be like, hey, just so you know, all that isn't going to be in. And I, I, I feel like in your um, guidelines that you send, like we have um, a thing that's like, hey, don't swear on the podcast. Don't do all these, don't talk about all these different things. And that sort of gives a heads up as well. But I like the idea of being like, hey, if your content, especially for our professional one, like, if your content isn't up to the standards, like we'll give you a copy, but we aren't publishing it. And I think that that's like just the professional game. Like, right. If you have an actor that's not on par, you aren't going to put them on like the, um, the not dress rehearsal, but opening night, you know, which sounds harsh. And, but it just was like sort of a, and again, it's different if you're doing it for hobbies, but I also look at some of, like for some of the podcasts that I've done for five years, no one would notice if I took them down <laughs> now that they weren't good. You, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
I agree. I think that that was really good. Those were good answers. I think it's about like the pre-teaching, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, these are the standards. So getting really clear about, hey, this is what I expect if you come on my podcast. And if you feel like you can't align with those, then maybe this isn't a good fit. Yeah. And that person can decide from before if it's even a, a good alignment for them. I think that that's something that I recently ran into that somebody I wanted to have on the podcast. I was like, I just don't know if he's like the right fit. And that's why he's not booking because he just doesn't feel like he really aligns with me and with what I'm doing. And I think that's totally fine. That's completely acceptable. It's just one of those things that I think is a personal decision. And every single person should feel comfortable doing what they'd like. Yeah, no, totally. So I wanted to talk about, oh, and then with that benchmark, they said to start each episode with the end in mind. That's your benchmark for it, which mm-hmm. I like that too, because they're like, you want to know like what your listener is wanting to get out of it. And so if you start with that, the end of mind thing, you know, so the thing that uh, there's two things that I thought were super fascinating. Um, I mean, I actually love all of them, but these two things I feel like can really help us. So the one was talk to one person. So they said things like, hi folks, or welcome back everyone, or ladies and gents. Like they said stats show that no one, almost no one listens to podcasts and groups. It's a solo thing. And even at the beginning of this, I was like, hey guys. And, but I was talking to you guys, not to like the one person, but it's like, how do you talk, like listeners, listener, our listener, how do we talk to, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard. So this is what they do. So, I mean, they have all this research at the radio station, right? So they get all the stats of who's listening. They were able to narrow it down of what age she was, um, how many kids she had, what car type of car she drive, all that she was a woman. So they had a model come in who they thought would be this person. And um, she did a picture and then they made this big cardboard cutout and they named her Judy. And so when they were planning, they would always ask themselves, would Judy like this? Is this something Judy will listen to? Like they knew Judy so well. And I was like, that is brilliant. That's so cool um, to have that specific. And I think that, you know, we don't have the data like that, like a radio station, but who do you want your demographic to be? I think you can even do that where you're like, okay, I want to, target um, women this age or men this age or whatever, but to get that specific, to have like a picture and they had this cut out in the studio and um, and they just always were like talking about Judy. So she became real to them. That's super you know, powerful. Yeah. We, Jacob and I heard that on the Grow the Show podcast and we tried that actually we found a picture online we printed out the person we wrote down like all the details we could about the person we hung them up in our office but it didn't work because i don't know i'm still trying to figure out what i think about this because i think for us i feel like we're still new and we're still kind of discovering our audience and i think the process of discovering our audience is testing different things and putting mm-hmm. them out and seeing who listens you know yeah. what i mean so i feel like we just uh, 
But in the Grow the Show podcast, he said that that should be the very first thing you do before you even record your first episode. And I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. It just didn't really work for us. And like we have some episodes and maybe this is not the right way to do it. We have some episodes that are tailored to older people. We have some episodes that are tailored to younger people. And right now I'm actually working on a podcast about what to do if you start your period in the middle of a race. And that's obviously mainly for women, right? So I don't really know what I think about that, actually. So I have two thoughts. One is to address Melody's situation, which is that one of the things that Rachel Curfew kind of taught me in regards to my event and in regards to building something is like cast your net wide and figure out who comes up like who are the people who actually show up and like analyze who it was most effective for of that group of people and sort of find out who of the audience you naturally were drawn to who did you really want to help so kind of like take those data points in and start just start noticing who did who did i actually like enjoy talking to right who actually had the biggest who did it affect the most right like start taking little notes about those things and then you'll start naturally kind of whittling down who your audience is because you'll have data that is based on your own experience that will help you to build that so i think that's actually really good advice because i think sometimes deciding right from the beginning it almost feels like it's too limiting And I think you have to feel like you're open enough to finding who really is that person. And sometimes even in our minds, being too focused can limit us. And so I think that that's one thing to consider. Um, Another thing to consider is I am my audience. And if I don't like it, then nobody else is gonna like it. So I am definitely my audience and always go back to yourself in regards to did I like this did I enjoy it because I honestly think I am my audience when I do things like that I'm like put up Tracy's picture what is Tracy like what does Tracy do because that's who I'm basically appealing to at this point in my life so I think that's something to also keep in mind and then Steph what I really enjoyed about them creating Judy is that it kept them totally aware it was based on remember Judy was based on data Judy was not based on just their own idea. It was based on the the actual, the actual feedback they had regarding their analytics. They knew this age of women is who is listening the most to our radio station. So they didn't just like pull it out of the air as well. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, Melody, I'm glad that you brought up that you guys tried it and you didn't feel like it worked and all these different things because I think each series is different and it's finding the thing that works for you and having these professional podcasts and then these um personal ones like well like the work ones i just feel like because i'm interviewing these real estate agents and it's like i have to edit so much to make them sound great like it just is um like i think for that i would love to see because our demographic really is these young families that are wanting to get into a home that are renting or whatever. So I feel like putting up a picture of that is like, oh, that's our purpose. That's our why, that's who we're speaking to. Cause right now it just feels like we're throwing it out to all of Utah, you know? But I also get where there's certain things where like, 
Melody, your um, ultra are all ages, you know, so it's not really a demographic. Where Tracy, I feel like you know your niche really well. You want to work with women that are in your age range and everything. So it's, I think it's a fascinating thing, but the whole, this whole episode, he was talking about how, you know, a lot of podcasters don't love radio and they bag on radio and it's like radio's been around for a century. They know some things and it's cool because I didn't realize like radio is regulated and each radio station has a license. And if they say something that's not actually scientifically proven or if they drop an F-bomb or whatever, their license for the radio station can be like um, removed and they can lose their job. And so I just I really want to look more into radio because radio when I think of professional, I think of radio. No, and I th- like I think podcasts are professional, but the fact that they know how to keep people on air, and that's what he was saying. He said, you know, when you figure out your demographic, even if you're a little boring at a time, they'll stick with you because they feel like you're their that you're their friend, and um, and then he said people are always talking about how do I get more engagement and wanting engagement on social media, and this is what I thought was profound. He said, for forty five minutes, a person paid you. 45 minutes of attention. Stop assessing that you need more t- engagement on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And I was like, that is cool. And he also talked about how um, he said, your listener's attention is valuable. Attention is currency. And um, we pay attention like we pay money. It has value, so don't waste it. So those were like the big things that I just took away from that being like, yeah, if someone's pushing play, I want to make it like worth their time. So. I like that a lot. That's really cool. I love the mindset. Like I got 45 minutes of like they're, they're like, this is a non, our, our lives are not a renewable, like time is a non-renewable resource. It always is going and it's not coming back. And so those people gave you 45 minutes of something that they'll never get back. So that's a non-renewable resource. And they, they paid you that 45 minutes. I really like that. Right. And then it's like, you're thinking, so if you see your downloads and you're like, only 30 people listening, you're like 30 people paid me their time. Like that's a big deal, you know, for 45 minutes. And that's a whole classroom. I mean, imagine yeah. getting up and talking in front of a, a classroom yes, for an hour. Exactly. You know? exactly. So I think it puts a whole different perspective on it. But I want to hear a little bit about um, what, because we all were researching, what did you guys discover from your research this week? So I listened to an episode of the Grow the Show podcast, and it was, the episode was, do you need to be on every single social media platform? I'm really interested in the marketing social media part. Mm -hmm. So um, the long story short answer is no. I really liked his advice to pick the one that is the most fun and exciting to you. Mine would be Instagram. And he said, get it up to, he said, choose any platform and then get it up to 10,000 followers. Once you've got your Instagram to 10,000 followers, He's like, you have two choices. You can go to Facebook or another platform and try to get that one to 10,000 followers. Or he said, you know, why did 
why try to fix something that's not broken? Stay on Instagram. It's working and try to get it to 20,000 followers. And he said that the method of, you know, maybe make an audiogram and you post it to Instagram and then you post the same thing to Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. He said, that's not effective. That doesn't work because people want to go to Instagram for Instagram content and people want to go to Facebook for Facebook content and people want to go to Twitter for Twitter content. And when you go to Twitter, you want to see a post that looks like a Twitter post. And when you go to Instagram, you want to see posts that looks like an Instagram post. And I thought that was really interesting. And I also thought about um, like, if you do get to the point where you are on different platforms, people are going to go to Facebook to see certain content and then Instagram to see certain content. And if you have different things posted on different platforms, then it's going to like, if people get really absorbed in their, in your podcast, um, they know that they can find, Oh, behind the scenes content on Facebook. And they know that they can find um, audiograms and advice on Instagram. And it just makes it more fun and interactive. And like, they want to be a part of all of it because it's each thing is unique. So I, that a lot of that was new to me. So that was what I took away this week. That's super insightful. I I really like that. Like, I also like thinking about like, what are people looking for when they go to LinkedIn versus what are they looking for when they're going to Instagram? Well, and I, we recently just used this platform called Lumi to schedule our social media platforms. And the reason that this is different and I love it is it schedules every single platform, but it will tell you so say I'm posting an article on Facebook. It will tell me, hey, from our podcast, this is too long. Facebook, like people want the, the thing shorter. Or for Instagram, like Instagram doesn't really have a length, you know, but it's telling me like the hashtags. Or for LinkedIn, it's telling me this is not a good day to post. And so it is sort of fun to learn how the different platforms work. And I love that of start with what is more fun and then go from there. And if you get to that point and you're like, well, it's not broken, we're good. Like, I wanna stay here. But I, I think that that's um, really good advice. Yeah, I actually found last night that I got on Instagram and I saw this woman um, dancing with this guy named JJ Pollock, and I really like him. I like his content. And I saw her dancing with him, and I was like, she is so good at dancing. So, of course, I went to her Instagram and I watched, and I was just so impressed with her channel. It was so up my alley, right? And of course, I reached out to her. I was like, you should come on my podcast. Like, <laughs> what do you tell people, right? Uh, I'm getting a fangirl you i'm sure you have a life but hey if you want to get on my <laughs> podcast love to have you on um and i think some people it's almost like i'm spamming them but at the same time sometimes people respond right like there's been times where i've thrown things out there and something sticks that i didn't expect to stick and then there's times where things don't um, and i think that that's just the nature of the business but it is cool to be like hey how could i approach this person i could maybe engage in their content for a little while mm -hmm. i could like actually maybe build a relationship with them on their online platform a little more and then reach out. Yeah, that's what I mean? a great point. That is a great point. Mm -hmm. Rather than just being the creeper, feeling like a little bit of a creeper vibe. You but know? you know what? I am constantly surprised at who is willing to come on podcasts. Like, 
I feel like these past couple people that I've asked for Utah real estate that were big names, I was like, there's no way. And they all agreed. And I was like, well, okay, shoot for the stars, right? Like, but I love the idea of like interacting with them for time on Instagram and like commenting and liking their pictures. And so then they see your face and sending them a message of, hey, I just sent you an email. I would love to have you on my podcast. So then they have that face to your email. Yeah. I, That's a great idea, Trace. Yeah. And I think it's also like even what you said, bagel, bagels and branding with, I mean, with Tony Acosta, I just think that like he is, he talks a lot about building a brand, right? And how do you build a brand that's true to you? And I just am, I'm so impressed that people do it, right? That people really do build brands around themselves. It's incredible. I, I really admire that. <laughs> So I don't know that I'm attracted to it, but I admire it a lot. <laughs> I admire it. I love it. <laughs> so what did you learn this week about podcasting? So I listened also to Grow the Show podcast. So there's another shout out. I actually listened to a couple um, podcasts and specifically he talks about, this is just a most recent episode. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. And he, he said, so this is Kevin Schmidlin. And he said two things that you can do like at the to really create an episode that's engaging and that can keep people there. And he said the two things are one, pose a specific question that your episode answers. And then two, unique, urgent, ultra specific or useful content. So make sure that you are following within those two things. So one, pose a specific question that your episode answers and two, having unique, urgent, ultra specific or useful like answers, right? To whatever people might be looking for. And I actually think that this is something that I listened to one of his episodes a few months ago and it was specifically talking about your intro and how important your intro is, by the way, which I had no idea how important it is because he started to show, he started to look up his analytics of how when people started to drop out of his show, how long they would listen before they would drop out. And he noticed that people were dropping out much sooner than he was hoping for. <laughs> and he, as he listened to it, he thought, you know, what you can do at the beginning, of course, is to pose a question, a pain point, or some insight or a fact, or it's kind of like what you were talking about, Steph, in regards to the tease, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then just learning how to tease your but it, it's it's that whole idea. It's the tease and that creating instra interest. Like this is the question we're posing, and this is the ant. Like I'm going to give you the answer in this podcast episode, this, this interview, and that that is literally transformative. So at the very beginning of your episode, saying like, "Have you ever struggled to accomplish a like ac accomplish a simple goal, let alone a challenging goal, one that actually makes you change your lifestyle?" Then people are like, yeah, definitely struggled with that. And like, it keeps them engaged that they get through the intro and then they listen to the, um, the actual interview and find that content that is valuable. So I've tried it a couple of times. I actually think it's really, really effective. And I like it better when I listen to my own episodes as well, when I ask those questions and bring up that information. So that's what I learned from Kevin Schmidlin. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I love that. What were you going to say, Melody? Awesome. Sorry. I was just going to say, um, I did notice that in your podcast this week. I listened to the last couple and I liked how you posed those questions. 
that was my first thought. I was like, oh, that's really smart of Tracy. I see what she's doing. <laughs> right. And it's because of Kevin Schmidlin. It's because of his podcast, Grow the Show, that he talks about specifically that. Or have it be super unique, right? Or urgent. Like the, you know, the ICU podcast that I did with Callie, like that's an urgent message to understand how important it is to to be a DNS, like a do not sedate kind of patient, how how incredibly dangerous sedation can actually be. And so you need to know about sedation, things like that. Like I would never know that, but that's an urgent message, right? Versus another podcast that is about like improving your weight loss with Matt, Matt um, Seeley. When I did his, it was like that whole idea about accomplishing this goal that is so ma- massive, but how did he do that, right? And so it's just that whole idea of uh, really looking at what that person specifically brings to the table and so that you can pose those questions for the listener. And then also eliminating your intro, really making your intro super concise if you're gonna have an intro. It's just, you don't even need an intro as long as you pose the questions. That's also interesting, right? So. I have. I have another comment on this. I listened to this podcast called ADHD for smart, a woman, (laughs) and it's a great podcast. Like she has the best podcast voice, the best interviewing skills. Plus she's interviewing women with ADHD who just talk, 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 talk. So she is like so good at just stopping people and interrupting them and leading the conversation. Amazing podcast. The only, my only complaint with it is her intros are literally five to six minutes long. Oh my it, gosh. It drives me crazy because I, I listen while I'm running and I have to stop in the middle of my run, pull out my phone, open up Spotify and fast forward at five minutes, put it back in my pocket. And it makes me angry. I'm like, please just get on with the episode. So ever since that podcast, Jacob and I are like, let's make it quick. Let's just jump right into it because no one wants to wait that long to get into the episode. Yeah. Welcome to the the 15 second generation, right? Like we are not good at waiting. So you just have to be, and I think that people's attention spans are just like constantly getting smaller. Mm -hmm. And so you do have to accommodate. You do have to be aware of that factor when you're creating your episode. So that's something to continue uh, to think about. And then also uh, most of us, oh, I learned this fact you guys yesterday, which just blew my mind and I'm going to use this, but we can, we can write, how much is it? A hundred. Okay. I think it's that we can, we can read or no, no. Oh, great. I don't know where I wrote this down. Sad. Okay. It's coming to me and now I can't really remember what it is but it's 150 words that you can actually speak. Oh, that's it. You speak at 150 words per minute, but you can listen at 350 words per minute. Oh, so I listen to podcasts on double speed or on 1.5 speed or 1.75, depending on what it is. If it's really intense content, I have to slow it down because I'm processing and it's harder for me to understand. But most of the time, people consume their audio content much faster than just your normal speed. So just keep that in mind, too. The people are speeding up your interview to listen to it at a faster speed because we can actually take in things much faster than we can speak them. That's just a fun little thing. And then 
Um, I also listened to this one about podcaster grunt work. Well, this was a different episode, but he specifically talked about Kevin Schmidlin um, talked about this whole podcaster grunt work and he had on onto his interview or whatever he had. Um, he was in, it was an interview type one where he had podcast SOP, which is SOP, um, system of SOP stands for system of operation. Right. And this guy, he specifically, which I love that I'm calling him this guy. I don't even know his name. I'm going to have to go find his name, but he specifically stated that one of the biggest things that he saw is that podcasters after one year of podcasting, a lot of them stop podcasting. They just stop. And he was trying to figure out why is there a drop off around one year? And I just hit my year mark and I'm sort of like, eh, I'm feeling pretty nonchalant about my podcast and not feeling super strongly about it. And he said that the reason why 90% of them dropped off was because of like operations and actually how they operate their podcast. Like all of the little minutiae that's required that people are getting actually burned out from the minutiae. And he said that on average, a podcaster thinks that they spend six hours a week. But when he had them go into subcategories like show notes, Instagram, uh, like he, he had them break it down based on little things. Once they did that, it was 14 hours per week per episode. And so he said on average, that was the average. And he said, mm -hmm. so imagine if people are spending 14 hours creating an hour or 45 minute episode, no wonder people get burned out and they don't have actual systems that support them in this whole endeavor. And so he gave a few tips. He said, one, you, um, you need to write down every step. So when you're making your next podcast, you need to literally write down every single thing you do including anything for social media, anything for show notes, anything for searching for the things you reference so that you can put it into your show notes. Like he's like everything you write down every single step from booking the interview to, you know, making contact with the person with them filling out things like he's like every step you write down. And then he said, once you have that information written down, you put you transfer it to a Google to Excel or to a Google doc and he recommends excel just because he thinks it's easier to categorize that information but he's like once you have it all written in the excel document then he said after that you eliminate so you eliminate whatever really isn't needful like how what can you can get what can you get rid of is there anything that's not needful in that process so he talks about elimination as the number two three he says organize your steps so how can i automate eliminate or delegate any of these Ooh. steps He's so, speaking my language. Well, yeah, automate, eliminate, or delegate any of these steps, which I think Steph has done certain things. Like she has somebody who does her show notes, right? Yeah, for for work, we have someone that does our show notes. Right. Grammar's and so, me. yeah, and like automate, ele eliminate, and delegate. Like you taught me about Canly, using Canly to like send people, hey, here's the booking page, and they get to decide if they book. And I'm like, how did I podcast before I knew about Calendly? Like Calendly was such a game changer for me. Exactly. And so he, he says those three things. So um, organize your steps. So automate, eliminate, and delegate. So figure out what you can automate, what you can eliminate, and what you can delegate. So that's the organization step, which is step three. And then number four, he says, get around other podcasters. 
Thank you, Utah mm. Podcast Coalition. Woo! Uh, woohoo! But he says, like, get around other podcasters or people who are generating ideas in your actual interest place, like in your place of interest. And so I was actually thinking maybe we could do something like that at the Utah Podcast Coalition where we do like an idea or a brainstorm night where we actually support each other through their, I don't know, something like that, right? Like how could we support each other in generating ideas and helping each other to actually build ideas supporting our podcasts? Um, So that was something that, so those are the things that he talked about in that episode and I just thought it was fascinating. I love that. I because I'm trying to do systems at work and I've written down like how we take pictures and everything and going through each step is painful. It sucks. Like I hate it. But then you have like a rough draft of your systems, you know? And he specifically says his this this guy who was on the interview, he says podcast SOP. He started this this brand you can try it for 14 days it's a 14 day trial and you can see what system he's created for you and maybe you can just like cancel the thing i don't know this is tracy just but like maybe you could learn from him see what he's done and see which things apply and how you could maybe utilize that system for yeah your that's awesome i mean i i'm always about not reinventing the wheel you know so so cool i like feel jazz to like podcasts and i think that when i think about our um whoever is listening to this podcast it's it's different because this is really we're the listeners like this is a podcast that we're the hosts but we're the listeners and to those of you out there that are listening it's just like icing on the cake where we are always shocked where we're like seriously someone else is listening to this besides us (laughs) (laughs) but it's like cool how there's so many different types of podcasts that you can do and so many things that we can learn to become more professional right so um i'm excited to listen to those trace thanks so much um okay so as we talk about our weeks tracy had a big moment this week so tell us about it trace so i had my first paid in-person event and i had about actually i counted it up and i had 24 women at my event and with me it was 25 so it was just a really amazing experience steph and melody came and they brought me flowers and a card and they showed up with their beautiful presence and participated and i had so many wonderful people who commented and shared and Uh, Both Melody and Steph brought people with them. Uh, Steph actually brought three people and Melody brought one. And that made a huge difference having people. This is an advice, I mean, to anyone who who is doing an event, you know, the people who are coming, who've already said yes, invite them to invite people because they know people who could also benefit from the message or that will actually be interested. I think that's a really powerful tool. Never forget the power of referrals in your own circle. And that's something that I feel like my event did bring to my attention. Also, it was just a really wonderful opportunity for me to gain some momentum. I feel like it's really inspired me about like, what is next, right? What's the next thing I'm going to do? How am I going to continue to feed off of this momentum that this event did create? It created momentum for sure. And I, I know that that's what people always talk about. Action is what creates momentum, not thinking. 
Thinking does not create momentum. Action creates momentum. And so if you want to create movement in your life, you have to take action. And it means that you have to move ahead when you're not ready. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready, everybody. Never. And I'm dead serious. Never. Some people, I think there's times where you start to feel more ready. And then you actually move towards that. And you're like, whoa, I can do it. And then you get the momentum that comes from doing it and the proof that you can do it again. And so I think that's been really helpful. And I'm grateful that I was able to move forward on that and just gain the momentum from that. And also just see how many people love and support me and want me to succeed in whatever I am doing. And I know that there's some good opportunity for refinement. I learned a lot from doing that, right? You learn what you need to do next time. And of course, take time to actually reflect and remember what it is that you learned from that whole experience. Uh, The same thing with my taxes from this past year. I was like, wait, what did I learn about taxes this past year when I did them? Because if you actually take notes on things from what you learned and you do that reflection practice, then you can actually refer back to that. Because guess what? Our brains are meant for generating ideas, not holding them. I heard that this past week. I heard that yesterday when I was studying about presentation. And specifically, it's so true. Our brains are meant for, you know, for generating ideas, but not for holding them. <laughs> so you really have to get write them down or, or hold that information that you do gain because you'll forget just like all the rest of us. We're just we that's how our brains are. So that is my reflection is that it was a wonderful experience and it brought me a lot of joy and a lot of energy. Well, and it was so much fun for us, huh, Melody, to like watch you shine because we've seen you before be like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And then it's like, you were up there and we're like, yeah, this, like, this is meant for you. And then even afterwards, you're like, oh, I want to be doing something else. And so it's cool to see like this passion like evolve for you as you've taken action. And Just even looking and Mel, like even looking at the pictures, right, from the event, like for me, it's like, I feel like I was like glowing. Oh, I was yeah. literally on totally fire. Were. You were. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you know somebody, when it's like a friend or a family and it's like, you just love to see them shine and and be themselves. So just like knowing you, Tracy, and being your friend and then, and just knowing everything behind what went into it, just watching you up there, just like smiling and being in your element and laughing and people laughing with you. And um, it just was awesome. Like, I just, it was a very like proud friend moment. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you to both of you. So you accomplished that goal for the week. That was your goal for the week. What's your goal for this week? Steph, this is what I'm going to do is that I'm going to plan. I'm going to start planning for my next event. Sweet. This week, like I'm going to, I got to like, I feel like I need to strike while the iron is hot and I want to do it for youth. And so I'm specifically trying to decide what I'll do for that. So just making some decisions about how I'll move forward with the youth event And then I would like to do an online event too. So those are my next two things is a youth and an online event. And an online event would be for women and people who couldn't make it, but who would like to do like an online version and learning how to do it for an online audience. So I've been studying how to do things online. And so that's something that I'm looking at. And of course, I also have the, um, the podcast tomorrow or that 
uh, part, uh, going to the high school and talking about podcasting tomorrow. There's some things I just a little bit I want to prepare for that. And then also preparing for my accountability group on Thursday to try to implement some of the things I learned about running an online event. I want to try to test some things out on my accountability group. So I'm going to do some testing this week and make some decisions about that moving forward. My goals for this week, you know, I'm not. Well, and last week, Ability, you had the goal to stay light in your schedule and keep time open and flexible. Yeah, so I'm still working on that. I did okay. Um, there were a few things that I put in my calendar that I had that I didn't really want to put in my calendar, but I had zero idea how to get out of it. So um, I need to figure that out. I think that's just how life goes. So I think sometimes there's just things you can't get out of. And that's just when you change your attitude and you do it. So I think that's a good lesson too. What I'm going to do this week, the the big thing that's on my mind is I've been doing eight hour massage days and they are, it's too much. So I'm going to try to change my schedule and try to do like three or four, like four to six hour shifts instead of two eight hour shifts, because um, I'm just finding myself like today, I have to get a massage today. And I'm just, I'm starting to dread it. And I've never dreaded massage before. Like I do not, my, my body hurts afterwards, my elbows are aching, my back hurts. And just doing that for straight eight hours is way too much. So I'm going to see if I can switch that around. I am proud of myself, though, for trying it and realizing, oh, this didn't work, and I'm going to change it. So that's what I'm going to do this time. Sweet. That's awesome. Well, so my goal was to prep for Hell Week. It's Hell Week at work this week because we have six events. And so I did prep for it. I actually don't feel as stressed, but my goal this week is just to survive it. You have a lot going on this week. Oh, my goodness. Will you give us just a little taste of what that means? For well, we have six events, and three of them are at night. So like, I had a we had an event last night. So I went running yesterday with Melody, then went back to the event, then put together all their social media for it. So it's just we have a lot of that, um, and it's awesome and it's great networking um, for our company. But it's just a lot. So. So awesome. that's what that's why we're calling it Hell Week because to have six events in five days is a lot. Um, yeah, just that's emotionally intense. too to network with that many people. So, um, so that's my week, and um, our invitation for the week is to so if you want to start a podcast, contact us. We would love for you to be a part of the Utah Podcast Coalition and we would love to be your cheerleaders because podcasting has changed all of our lives. Um, but if you, or if you have a podcast, like still contact us. And so our invitation is to research 20 to 60 minutes on podcasting and apply something you learned to your podcast or your current or your future. Have a great week and thanks for chatting guys.